Hello. Hello, everybody. Hi, I'm Patrice. And I'm Rachel. And this is Language Nerds to Earth. Surprise, we're back. We're back. <laughs> we're on episode 61. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we're really old now. Uh, in, in podcast years. Today, we are going to talk about cultures of travel. We're going to talk a little bit about stereotypes of tourists from around the world. Kind of look at what different people like to do on holidays. Yes. We'll talk about some of the different ways that people travel. And among the travel, I think we're going to get into a little bit about um, different travel identities a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, subcultures of travelers and that kind of stuff. Maybe you haven't thought about it much, like what kind of traveler are you? But it's something that I think Rachel and I might have been thinking about more during the pandemic. Maybe the pandemic was a good time to reflect on your travel personality when you couldn't travel. Yes. And we're also going to talk a little bit about, well, after we figure out what kind of traveler you might be, well, we're going to do a little game little quiz to see where Patrice and I might be supposed to go on our next vacation. Mm-hmm, exactly. Quarantine pandemic times. Yeah. And then I know what everybody's really looking forward to is our life update and where have we been for the last two years. So we'll share some stuff about that at the end. <laughs> And finally, then we have a new segment that we're still, I think, toying with the name with a little bit, but we're calling it for now Feature of the Week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, related Feature of the Week. We love the Lost in Translation segment, but this is something that's easier to put together. <laughs> and it's something that maybe will give us a chance to look at. Um, different types of things in a shorter and more sort of concise way than like a full-length episode. So just little smaller bits. Exactly. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our language news of the week. Um, what did you think of this, Rachel? Oh, I was, I was really curious about it because uh, sometimes I feel this way about it, and I thought that I was just weird (laughs) just like not smart enough or whatever (laughs) ah yeah so I'll say what it is first some researchers did a study on visualization in a foreign language so those of us who speak a language besides our mother tongue might find that when we try to visualize something in that language when we're speaking and thinking in that language, it's harder to get a vivid mental image than it is when we're using our mother tongue. Right. So your imagination is not quite as good outside of your native language. Yeah, that made me feel better a little bit. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So the 
researchers, first they tested native English speakers who also spoke Spanish. They were asked to mentally stimulate 35 different sensory experiences, like imagining certain tastes, feelings of materials or views. And then each person was asked to rate how vivid the experience was. So they divided the participants into two groups. The first group was the control group and asked to visualize something using their native tongue. And then the second group was asked to visualize something in Spanish. And the visualizations were less vivid for the ones who were presented with them in Spanish. They did a second study with native Mandarin speakers uh, who also spoke English, and they've had the same results. Mm-hmm. I really liked what they came up with, which is that they don't know why, but they hypothesized that um, imagination skills are weaker in a second language, probably because we draw upon past experiences that probably happened in our mother tongue to conjure up in- images. Right. Yeah, I thought that was really an interesting study that they've done. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was curious that in the first study, they said the two senses that have like less visualization stimulation was um, in Spanish was sense of smell and sense of taste. Yeah. And they said that was because of like the rich Spanish food or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the reason or maybe to me, I don't know. My first thought was those senses are maybe a bit more like primal, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe a little bit less related to, to language. That's a great point. Yeah, I had the same thought, like, oh, they they were able to picture food because it's something that's so important to us, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they the researchers said maybe they were able to visualize the taste better because of the rich experience of food in Spanish. But I don't think they mentioned anything about it with the Mandarin speakers and the taste. Yeah, no, they didn't mention that. Which would have been I helpful, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know that I buy that it's like a cultural yeah. that like the certain cultures food is the reason. I feel like it maybe is just something that if you're describing a food or a smell to me, I feel like it's not the the words that help me. It's like the experience. Exactly. So, I don't know. Maybe it's easier to transfer because like, also, memory is really tied to your sense of smell. Mm. I don't know. <gasps> You're so smart. That's probably that's probably a big part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also, and I, and I think I totally agree with that. And I think that the point of experience is so important. When you have an experience in a language, that's huge. And the fewer experiences you have in that language the harder it's going to be for you to recall and be able to communicate successfully in that language. That's why, like, I know I've said it before, and I'll say it forever, like, that's why I think you have to take lessons with a native speaker if you want to learn another language, because um, you're building experiences, you're building the experience of conversations with that native speaker, 
or not necessarily a native speaker, just a human. You're building uh, experiences with that human. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot easier, like, expressions or Mm -hmm. uh, common phrases. Like, if you hear them all the time, repeatedly, in everyday conversation, I don't know. Somehow that leads me in that direction, but it's just a lot easier to incorporate them. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, if you ask me to visualize something in Chinese or, or like, like something Chinese, then I'll be able to visualize it no problem if we're talking about a cultural experience that I've had in China, right? right. And same with any other language. So, anyway, we'll link to that article. It's, uh, yeah, I agree. It made me feel maybe a little bit more confident with my language skills <laughs> or... Visualization skills, maybe. Right. A little bit more within what's normal, maybe. Yeah, and aware. Like, yeah, aware, mm-hmm. of, aware of what's normal. Nice. So, let's talk about the cultures of travel. What different people like when they travel. Like, we've all traveled maybe with our family before. And maybe, like, when I travel with my mom, she and I, like, we'd love to go on adventures and like go see new things and like go to museums and I know you and your mom do the same thing right Mm -hmm. and then when I travel with my dad like my dad's family they like to like lie on the beach and go play golf that's day one day two they also (laughs) lie on the beach and go play golf and have some wine that's very similar (laughs) oh really yeah (laughs) like no hate but I can't do that for seven days. Like, I need to go, go, go and do, do more things. I can do that for a few days, but I can't do that for a week. <laughs> so um, I haven't done that because I haven't left China for the last two and a half years, but I have been around China. And this is now my third summer in China, and I've learned a few things about what I need to do to protect myself from bad travel experiences, not me travel experiences in China. So this is kind of what sparked the idea for this episode. Last summer, Seth and I went to a place called Sanya, which is marketed as the Hawaii of China. (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) I don't know if I'd call it that, Rachel. Uh, when I got there, it was there was like a sign on the side of the airport, and it was like the most hygienic city in China. So, um, but that's not not really related. I just don't think of like Hawaii first thing hygienic. hygienic. But anyway, we get there and <laughs> like we spend the first few days um, hanging around at the beach. But as I said. That's not what I like to do. I'm not the person I married. Also, that's not his travel style. Seth doesn't like traveling that way. So one day we're like, let's go to this island. It's rated as the number one thing to do in Sanya. And the hotel, they're like, um, there are no trips for that today. Like you have to leave really early for it. But what you can do um, this morning is you can take a bus to the rainforest park and we're like oh we want to go to the rainforest park it's a little place called yanoda we get to see the rainforest um walk around there's a glass bridge which is very popular in china right and we keep getting texts from the guy who's going to take us 
and we think it's just kind of like a minivan or something, but um, he shows up and it's a tour bus. And right. we're like, okay, we're we going to get on the tour bus. And this is all in Chinese. Like, we're going to go pick up some other people. And like, we, we stop at hotel after hotel picking up people. And meanwhile, the guy is at the front of the bus with a um, microphone on his head, just stream of consciousness, very loud on the bus speaker. And that would be fine if it was a 20-minute, 30-minute ride. It was a two-hour ride. It took two hours, and the bus was going very slowly. Like, everybody was passing us. It was like... (laughs) Just this really, really loud Chinese stream of consciousness. And my Chinese is pretty good, but like I give up even trying to understand him. I'm like, why is he still talking? Is he like telling us about the park? Like the the, like birds we're going to see or something? I don't know. Well, by the time we get there, I'm pretty pissed off. I'm so tired of this guy. And I'm like, I just can't wait to like go see the rainforest. And then we need to buy all these tickets once we're there. Like, the group stops in front, and we try to break off from the group, but they're like, no, no, we're going over here. And then we realize, Rachel, that we're part of an organized tour group with complete with, like, a flag and, like, a, right. like a microphone. <laughs> and they're, like... Like, 40 people who are just going to, like, follow this dude around. And we're like, oh, God. And I I literally started crying. I was so not in the mood. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was pretty sure that's where this was going, like, from the beginning. But... Oh, you knew. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen those groups. Oh, God. But... The weirdest part was eventually we had to buy all these tickets and and like they were trying to get us to stay with them. And I eventually I was like, look, I'm not going to go on your tour because number one, I don't understand most of like a lot of what you're saying. Number two, like this is not what we how we want to spend our day. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. And so. They were like, okay, okay, we understand. Like, here's the ticket for this. Here's the ticket for this. You have to meet back at four so you can get the bus back. And so we go into the park, and then we realize that it is not the rainforest. It is a plastic version of the rainforest. Like, it's maybe there are some trees. There are some real trees, but it's like, it's a theme park. It's a rainforest-themed theme park. And this group of Chinese tourists was going to go on an or it went on a group guided tour of a theme park. <laughs> oh my god, no. It was oh, that's so wild. The park was called Yanoda and about every half hour this theme music would go and everybody who worked at the park would have to do like this choreographed dance. And every time they saw us they would be like like with peace signs, like waving their hands. Wait, what does that mean? It means hello in the local dialect. And it's the name oh, of the okay. park, I think. Anyway, zero stars. Do not recommend. And then the next day we went to an island that was also a theme park island. Like 
<laughs> I think we were there. We we took like probably an hour and a half taxi ride just to get there. And we paid so much money to get on the island. We had to take a ferry and everything. And then we were there for like an hour and we're like, we're not doing this again. <laughs> and we just oh went God. back to the hotel and like sat on the beach. Well, we'll leave tomorrow. <laughs> I think we even changed our flight. Like that was bad. Wow. Okay. That is really bad. Anyway, I guess I'm just going to wait to go to the beach until I can leave the country because I don't want to do that again. Because they're all like that. Well, that's supposed to be the nicest beach in China. It's okay. <laughs> I'll see other things. <sighs> oh, God. And yeah, that really yeah. took a turn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very disappointing. So uh, let's talk about stereotypes of tourists from around the world. This is from PassportSymphony.com. And it's a bunch of national tourist stereotypes. And they might not be all correct, but there's a reason that stereotypes exist. Mm-hmm. So the first one is that French tourists are rude and arrogant. Mm. The person who writing the article doesn't super agree. I don't know. What do you think? I think that French cult- in French culture, it's pretty normal to be super honest about your opinions Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't surprise me if um french tourists kind of bring that with them when they travel Mm -hmm. and then i was reading another article that said something similar like it's really hard to please the french but then it says something also about the germans the germans are number two and it's that german tourists complain a lot (laughs) yeah so i feel like for the french as well like they have very high standards, for example, food or yeah, fashion or things like that, etiquette. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they bring the expectations maybe of those standards and then that can maybe be like a clash. Yeah, that's really possible. And same with Germans, right? So this article says Germans take their holiday very seriously. In fact, so seriously that it's hard to tell if they're actually having fun. <laughs> My point is rules are rules for Germans no matter where they are. Um, if that bedroom they booked doesn't have the terrace from the brochure, a claim for compensation will most probably follow. From my experience, this is pretty pretty normal with Germans. The Germans I have known in my life will ask for compensation if they don't get something that they thought they were going to get in the advertisement. Yeah, I feel like the, the reason, though, is different. Like, maybe the French is more like they want everything to be sort of like a really high quality. And Germans, I feel like it's like the maybe ideal of sort of fairness and like Mm. you expect what you were promised and like that's sort of like justice in a way (laughs) yeah i think you're probably right about that also like okay i just remember something it's like research that different hotel businesses and like hospitality businesses have done that sort of breaks down different nationalities and how they can be attracted better. So mm-hmm. it has like a, you know, a business goal in mind. Yeah. But for Germans, what they found is that they really like to plan things like in advance. They like things to be organized before. So 
but they're also not attracted to like long-term things like they're more instant gratification (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it's not in the terms of like spontaneity but they like a good deal Mm. yeah that's interesting yeah i mean i think of germans as wanting high quality too when they Mm. when you buy any electronic in germany it has at least a year warranty no matter what it is Mm -hmm. they don't spend their money thoughtlessly so it makes sense to me that they would want to like have everything really well planned out i like that too Mm -hmm. maybe that's like the german part of me like i want to know like i'm gonna be at this hotel for four nights and then i'm gonna take this train to the next hotel in the next um city and i'm gonna spend like like three days researching the hotel in that city and reading all the reviews on all the different websites. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit like that. I guess I'm a little bit in between. But yeah, I do like to know like where I'm staying. Yeah. If I can find out that there are lots of trains or something, I don't necessarily need that like worked out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Or as long as the price isn't going to be, you know, like exorbitant. But Right. But yeah, sometimes it's nice to have some flexibility. And it depends on how well you know where you're going, too. That's true. Um, The next one, Americans are ignorant toward local culture. So this is a stereotype about American tourists. think that has been changing over time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that it used to be that way. I think we've gotten better. Like there's a new woke culture that sometimes does a little bit better sometimes doesn't but <laughs> people try their best maybe i am just just being defensive as an american but i usually am pretty critical toward americans but i think like this is something that used to be quite bad and is not maybe quite as bad as it used to be what do you think yeah i think it also depends a bit on age mm yeah like, I don't know. I feel like people under 30, 35 have maybe been more exposed, like, to the possibility of, like, traveling abroad, like, more easily, maybe. I don't know. Could also just be our sector, because when I, I do feel still that when I go to different, like, European cities, there are lots of people who are just very clueless. <laughs> yes, there definitely are. I want to say, I would put that number a little higher, like 40, like millennials, people who are under 40 basically now, Mm -hmm. are like a little bit more aware. Not to say, I mean, some of the best travelers I know are over 40, but growing up in a place where you learn a lot more about the world um, and have had more opportunities, more exposure to it might make you a little bit of a better traveler. (laughs) Yeah. What about other stereotypes? Um, I mean, definitely the stereotype that we're very loud. Mm-hmm. We're not the only loud ones. <laughs> we're not the only loud ones, though. Um, I was reading something that was like, a, I think it was maybe a survey done to like hotel staff and like other yeah. hospitality people. That, yeah. Like the top three loud ones were United Stations. Um, United Stations? Yeah, that's that's what? Like our and Amelia's like personal word because oh. there's not a word in English for that. But anyway. oh, for Americans, I like it. United Stations. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Because he, he, he hates it. And I think yeah. most, like, American continent people don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that's... I'm, but we, I've never heard a different word for it, so... I can I can get oh, behind that. It's just United a Stations. literal translation from Spanish. Estadounidenses, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> United Station. Okay, so the top three loud ones were like United Station, Spanish, and Brits. It's gotta be Brits. No. I don't think so. I think it was Mexican, maybe. Oh. Or okay. Italians. Well, Brits, I love you, but in groups, just awful. <laughs> The, that was the interesting thing doing this, like, and also from my experience, there are, like, two types of British tourists. They're, like, the super polite, like, rule-following, uh, quiet ones. Mm-hmm. And then there are the rowdy, loud, drunk soccer fans, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely met both of them. Um, actually, on another survey, about 60% of UK travelers admitted drinking more while away than they normally would do, with 28% mm-hmm. saying they had five or more alcoholics alcoholic drinks every day. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, five or more. I mean, I love a glass of wine. Maybe a few glasses of wine, but five or more glasses of wine every single day on vacation? My God. Not to be judging. Yeah. Not judging. It's just a lot. <laughs> but yeah, that was sort of the, the reputation of the Brits, that they like, they're either super polite and like, quiet and just like proper people or they're mm-hmm. like obnoxious mm-hmm. and some of the worst tourists like the the ones that jump into the pool from the hotel balcony <sighs> okay let's go to the next one um japanese tourists are polite and behave impeccably i can believe that mm-hmm. i think like japanese tourists have a reputation for going places in groups but they're still like very very polite. Whereas I was reading a survey by people in the service industry and they said like Koreans are, they tend to travel in groups and they tend to be really loud, but the Chinese are louder (laughs) and they're always in groups too. And they are pretty rowdy. We've all heard like the stories of bad Chinese tourists and yeah, there are always going to be bad tourists, but because uh, until 2020, Chinese were like the biggest spenders and the biggest um groups traveling internationally mm-hmm. the sheer volume means you're gonna get some assholes. yeah and i feel like also there are many chinese people it seems that prefer to travel in a large group like that yeah maybe it's like a language barrier thing it's easier yeah. to just have like everything planned for you yeah um but when you're in that large of a group it's uh it's easier to behave a bit like with less consequences maybe and like get you get more like riled up maybe (laughs) that's a great point yeah like kind of a little bit of a group think phenomenon Mm -hmm. i've talked to my chinese teacher about it before about how like chinese people love to travel in groups and um and she was like well like when you don't speak the language very well it can be really intimidating and i i totally get that like if they're going to europe Mm -hmm. and all they've got is mandarin that makes sense. It's kind of like, and now me, like I've learned I have to travel in a tour group in China <laughs> because even though I speak the language pretty well now, like it's still so, so hard because things are not made for 
English-speaking tour tourists, just like things right. in Europe are not really made for Chinese-speaking tourists. Yeah, it makes sense. One that I found on this hotel sort of directed marketing thing mm -hmm. was about Spanish. And Spanish and Italians in their research were sort of similar. Like both were more on the spontaneous side. Mm -hmm. And so they're not super into like planning all their activities like the Germans are. Mm -hmm. um, and so they recommended to the hotel people to have like, you know, offers of like different things that they could do. And then they're more likely to like jump at the opportunity, mm. which, yeah, I totally, I totally buy that. Yeah. And they're more frugal, both of them, than like other Europeans, which makes sense because also, especially like Spain has some of the like lower incomes in Europe. Yeah. What is it? Half of Spaniards eat and don't work and the other half work and don't eat. <laughs> oh, God. Have you heard that before? <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah, that's so a Spaniard told me that when I was studying in Spain. <laughs> and it stuck with me, just like a phrase mm -hmm. that people say. I, I read something else that was like, oh, it was a really cute quote by this woman who worked in the travel industry. And she said that, I think the survey was done during a recession. And mm -hmm. uh, this hotelier in Paris was like, we used to make fun of Americans for not knowing their fingers from their toes in terms of European history and geography. Yeah. But since the recession, we miss them. They're really polite to everyone. The guests who are filling their shoes come from cultures where it's acceptable to be harsh or abusive to the people who serve you, which has been a real shock to us. If there's a silver lining these days, it's got to be the Brazilians who are as nice as the Americans, but also just knocked down dead gorgeous. Yeah. And always up for having a good time. Oh, yeah. That's one about tipping. Like, tipping culture obviously varies. Like, Americans have a good reputation. And mm -hmm. I think French had, like, the worst reputation. Mm. Um, yeah. Also good were Germans. Okay. Okay. Maybe outside of the U.S. because the U.S. tipping culture is really strong. But, yeah. like, overall... Yeah, the Germans were pretty good, and Japanese, I think. That makes sense. Yeah, someday when I do go home, I'm going to forget to tip, because it's been so long since I've needed to tip anybody. <laughs> yeah, it is weird when you go back. Canadians have the reputation for being super nice and polite tourists, mm -hmm. which I think holds water. Like, mm -hmm. that's just true of, like, life. Yeah. Very sweet people. Yeah. Yeah. It's so polite. Mm -hmm. This one says Russian tourists are the unsmiling masters of cultural foe. <laughs> yeah. Russians rarely smile at people and really don't care if people like them. Additionally, they're notorious for drinking vodka and getting aggressive afterward. 42% of Russians believe that their compatriots are the worst behaved tourists around the world. That's... Finally, even the Russian foreign ministry thought things are bad enough to create a tourism brochure, including helpful tips for Russian travelers, including refraining from prodding Kenyans and other Africans and calling them monkeys. Oh, God. I know. I, I literally gasped when I read that earlier. Um, also, when I went to Russia, we were on choir tour, and it was a mostly white or like light-skinned Latino group. Mm -hmm. and our accompanist was black, 
sometimes me and another friend, like, we would hang out with her, just, like, to touristy things. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God, it was horrible. Oh, no. It was awful. Like, people would just walk by, take pictures of her, or, like, come and be like, can I take a picture with you? And just be super rude as well. Oh, that's awful. That was really, really bad. And there came a point where she was just like, (laughs) just over it. Yeah. Honestly, like, sometimes I I remind myself, like, Russia is, it is Europe, but it's also Asia. And that's like, I'm reading this and there are also PSAs back in the days where people could travel out of China. There were PSAs like, okay, this is how you tourist, you don't poop on temples and and like you're you smile and you're polite and you like don't have to bargain with everybody about everything like PSAs basically wow. brochures about being a polite tourist mm-hmm. and also like people asking to take pictures with you or not asking and just taking pictures of you like mm-hmm. people take pictures of me all the time and they're yeah not always like nice about it the other day I was going for a run and a guy was like, a guy just like started filming me. First I was like, what? What do you want from me? Like I was in a, I was not in a great mood. And then I just covered my face as I ran past him. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's really like, bad. Like I'm going to be on his WeChat moments and. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it is true about Russians that they are very, very unsmiling. Yeah. And before we went to Russia, we had some like Russian training. Uh-huh. And they were like, don't smile at people because they think it's creepy and weird and yeah. they will be mean to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, they will think you're crazy yeah. because you're, like, just a weirdo walking around smiling at people for no reason. I think we did an episode about that and there was one, like, we talked about Germans and German perceptions of smiling, too. And that was one of the things that they said, that what we read said, like, Germans perceive people who are, like, smiling randomly at them to be, like, maybe simple. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, Russians, like, intimidatingly so. They don't. Whenever I'm around a Russian, I'm like, are you mad at me? (laughs) But they're usually not. Yeah. Their culture is very different. Yeah. This one, the last one was funny the indian tourists are very demanding and rude to staff apparently they have like ranked worst among flight attendants oh. as like the most annoying and rude customers huh i wonder why i feel like i've experienced it mm-hmm. i feel like also as when i worked in food service and things mm-hmm. they were always the ones that would leave all their stuff on the table and just like not care at all. Mm. I imagine that like since India is still in a lot of ways third world, I imagine that like if you get somewhere in India, like you've worked really, really hard to get to the point where you can afford to like fly internationally and um, mm-hmm. maybe that gives people a sense of entitlement. I'm sure it's not all Indians. I'm 100% sure. Yeah. I've met so many lovely Indians in my life. And same, like I said, you know, you're gonna, it's second most populous country in the world. 
the more people who, who travel from there, the more assholes you're going to get. Right. But yeah. And I also feel like maybe it's a bit more normal or a bit more common to have sort of like service, like servant type people or like people working mm. in service. Like totally. for just sort of average people yeah. or not super wealthy, but just like upper middle class or something. Right, right. And so that could be as well, like just that sort of like maybe entitlement comes from. Like you're here for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That attitude maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Of course, none of these are 100% true, but they're true enough to exist, I guess. Yeah. Another flight attendant said that like, if you see really young flight attendants on a flight, it's probably because that is the flight that nobody else wants to work on. And so usually like flights from New York City to Southern Florida have a lot of really young flight attendants because that's such a difficult route to do because people are so rude on those flights. (laughs) Wow. So New Yorkers too. Love you guys. Sometimes you can be rude. Sometimes everybody's rude, okay? (laughs) That's true, that's true. Um, Are there any that you've just, like, noticed from your life? Like, any sort of group stereotypes of nationalities? I think I mostly said the stereotypes. Um, Yeah, when I left Korea, I was like, Korean tourists and groups, they're, like, so loud. But... Like, now that I'm in China, I'm like, that was nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, like, a lot of Chinese tourists don't know how to respect the place where they're going. Like, nature and a lot of people do. But, like, you have a lot of nouveau riche here who haven't really ventured outside of their immediate home or culture. So, Mm -hmm. like, people will, like, have... Their kids uh, urinate and defecate on a bush or something. And it's, it's pretty normal here. Yeah. And <laughs> then you take that with you somewhere else and it's like, no, please don't. Don't do that. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I can't think of any others really. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to think of like like Latin American um, tourists, but Mm -hmm. I haven't really thought of like any particular stereotype for them or like any particular impression I have of them. Mm. I mean, normally they seem usually pretty well behaved and like a lot of times when I see them, they're in like a, a family unit. It's not like something super crazy. So now that we've talked about um, sort of nationality stereotypes, we're going to talk about different stereotypes within just the travel community, I guess, or the travel Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've got the frat boys and football fans. (laughs) Did you, you must have watched the World Cup final last year, last Mm, summer. I feel like no. (laughs) The EU Cup? Oh, come on, Rachel, you live in Europe. Okay, I did watch the, is it the champions? Between the UK and Italy. No, I didn't watch it. Wow. I mean, I stayed up until 5 o'clock in the morning against everything I believe 
and I actually regret it. It was not a great experience. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I'm just not a sports person, but anyway. Yeah, I'm not either, but I was like like we were on vacation in Sanya and we were like, let's let's go do it. Let's stay up until five o'clock in the morning watching this game and there were um a bunch of Brits there and they were singing like It's coming home, it's coming home. Football's coming home and then they lost. <laughs> sorry guys. I'm sorry about that. I have no memory of this, honestly. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, that was definitely the stereotype of frat boys and football fans. Oh, God, yeah. Whenever <laughs> there's, like, a big match in Madrid, it's just filled with, like, whatever country they're playing, like, Brits or French or something, and they're so loud and so mm-hmm. drunk, usually. <laughs> uh-huh. It's, like, very obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally believe it. The next one, woke up with a Chang over. Works for any exotic alcohol, but Chang is the beer in Thailand. Mm-hmm. So this is about people who are hungover. Uh-huh. Just people who, like, drink too much on vacation, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost care- I'd almost put those two together, the football I, fans. Yeah, a little bit I would, too. Yeah. But this one maybe is less sporty and more like just the partiers. When I went to Budapest um, in 2019, I remember like we arrived really early in the morning. So we're walking around at like five o'clock in downtown Budapest with our luggage. (laughs) And there were so many like tourists who had passed out on like a bench because they were partying in the ruin bars the night before just... They'd probably mm-hmm. just been asleep for a few hours. That's that's the stereotype this is talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The next one is a pet peeve of mine. Uh-huh. When people say these are the do the thing or do the city people. Oh. Oh. When <laughs> Do you know this one? Like when somebody is like, Oh, we did Rome, we did Hungary, we did it's really... Is that a new thing? Really that sounds annoying. awful. That's really annoying. Yeah, we did it in a day. Like, So, well, their advice is um, you're not going to see everything in a city or a country in like three days or mm-hmm. one day or whatever amount of time. And so like it's a little bit arrogant to say like you did it and like mm-hmm. imply that you've done it all. Mm-hmm. Everything that's important. Agreed. Yeah. That's um, a lot in the backpacking community, I feel like. The, oh, okay. the hyper, or also in sort of group tours, I've heard it. Like, the people who are, like, in a city for a day, you know? Yeah, yeah, I like, can picture it. And then you're like, what What have you seen? And they're like, oh, we did, we did Rome, we did Florence, we did... <laughs> Sienna, and you're like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to say it, I guess, but like it sounds like it's like a checkbox, you know? And right. I'd go back to Florence in a heartbeat if I could, or Rome, honestly. Mm-hmm. I haven't done it. It's never done. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, the next one is the authentic young traveler. So usually people going off the beaten track, they love to go to like this place that you've never heard of. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and I like doing that too. Let's be honest. Like I love going to these amazing places. So yeah, these people can also be a little bit tiresome, I feel like. Because yeah. they're just, like, trying to one-up each other and yes. show that they're the true travelers. And if you don't do it this way, then you're doing it wrong. People who mm. stay in hotels are also fine, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's fine. You do yes. you. Yeah, you do you. Thank you. Very <laughs> don't important. Don't judge how other people travel. Yeah, just, I think it's it's great that people are traveling at all. It's great to go see something else. And people have to do that in the way that they feel comfortable and the way they can afford and and in the end it's they're your it's your vacation time your paid time off mm-hmm. like you've got to do what makes you happy like if you're happy just lying on the beach for two weeks then do that then that's what you should do if you love to go stay at the ritz carlton for five days and like take care take advantage of the club and like drink wine all day then you should do that like if that makes if that's what makes you happy do it (laughs) i guess we should mention these are types of travelers that are a little annoying yes and like how to avoid being them (laughs) okay that's a good introduction to this article (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're knocking off the rust guys we're in we're back okay (laughs) The do the Mona Lisa in 60 seconds, people. Mm-hmm. The people that go to Paris and they're like, I've got to do the Louvre. And then they just like walk up and they're like, there's the Mona Lisa. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like doing Rome, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or doing Paris in this case. It's part of what you, yeah. what you do when you go to Paris. Okay, let's do this quiz. Okay, maybe like let's do it at the same time and then we can just say like what answers we're giving. Okay, this eight question quiz will reveal your ultimate dream vacation to take this year. Probably not this year. Thank you, BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. (laughs) (laughs) Let's find out where we're going. Yeah. Okay, who did you quarantine with, Rachel? Uh, With a significant other. And you? Same. Where did you spend 2020 slash 2021 and 22? <laughs> in a city. In a city, by the beach, in the suburbs, in the mountains, in a foreign country, or I mixed it up. In the city. Yeah. You in the city. I mean, technically in a foreign country, but <laughs> it's the foreign country that I call home. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what kind of traveling did you do in 2020 and 2021 and 2022? I went camping, I road tripped, I visited family, I visited, I rented Airbnbs, I moved to a new place, I stayed home. I I mean, of these options, I stayed home. Yeah, I mean, I also did like a few small trips, but... Yeah, same. What's a meal you cooked on repeat? Pasta, tacos, roast chicken, lasagna, meatloaf, or I hardly cooked at all. Meal I cooked on repeat. 
I actually did cook roast chicken a few times. All right. Okay. I'm saying pasta. Okay. What trend did you get on board with in 2020, 21, 2022? Baking sourdough, tie-dyeing, Zoom dating, getting a dog, or making banana bread. None of the above. I got none of the above. I didn't do any of those things. You didn't do anything. <laughs> How about you? I'm going to say making banana bread. Oh, good. Banana bread is delicious. <laughs> what cuisine did you order in often? Chinese, <laughs> Japanese, Italian, Indian, American, or Mexican? I ate a lot of Chinese food in the last two and a half years, so I'm going to choose yep. Chinese. <laughs> I mean, I would say probably most often would be Venezuelan, but that's not an option. I also ordered a lot of Mexican, I think, so I'll put that. Hmm. <laughs> what fashion trend did you embrace? Athleisure, face mask jewelry, going braless, sewing face masks, tie-dye everything, or pajamas all day? I feel like I fall in a few, but... <laughs> I'm going with sewing face masks. Okay, I'm going with letting the girls breathe went braless. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's see. What did you get? I got Hawaii. Oh, me too. <laughs> oh. Is that the only option? <laughs> yeah, they probably got like three options. <laughs> it's like Hawaii, Paris, and New York City or something. Yeah. All right, so according to BuzzFeed, that's the trip that we're taking someday, Rachel. Not this year, at least, for me. I mean, I'm not opposed. I really want to go to Hawaii, so. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you where I'm not going to go. The Hawaii of China. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So for our feature of the week, we have... A few hilariously negative reviews of travel destinations or, tra- like, um, tourist sites. So we're each going to pick a couple. And so I'm going to start with one a one-star review of Arthur's Seat. And it says, misleading. Not a chair in sight. Had to sit on the grass and was left with an unsightly wet patch. So it looked like I had soiled myself. <laughs> Oh, so it's Scotland, huh? I've never heard of it. Uh-huh. Arthur's Seat. Um, this one is a one-star review of Big Ben. And the the title of it is, It's Just a Big Clock? <laughs> I don't understand all the hype with this clock. It is literally just a clock. It's going to be a digital one in 30 years anyway. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Um, this is a review, a one-star review of the National Gallery, and it says, Just a collection of pictures. Although the pictures are very famous, if you go to London, don't visit the National Gallery. (laughs) This is a review of Abbey Road. Hey, guys. (laughs) Walking across the crosswalk on Abbey Road, and he said, I risked, the title is, I risked my life. And then he says, I risked my life for a stupid picture. I need to ask another person to risk their life to take a picture of my family. (laughs) 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 I like that. 
I really like this one. It's of the London Eye. It's a one star, of course. And the title is It's Not an Actual Eye. <laughs> and they wrote, I don't like heights and I didn't like this. My wife and daughter loved it. I read the newspaper and pretended I was elsewhere. If you don't like heights, don't go near it. Apparently, the views are great. <laughs> So this person did a review of the Royal Botanical Gardens, and it's one star, and it says, bad. And they said, this gardens can be very boring, and it's definitely not for everyone. It's very large, many plants, and when you go on a warm day, <laughs> you go in the greenhouses, it's boiling, and the food is very overpriced, and there isn't a big selection there either. <laughs> also, I love that you you fixed it. You wrote... You said is definitely, but they wrote defiantly. Yeah, that's true. Defiantly. defiantly, not for everyone. I love that. I love that the main point in the sentence about about the botanical garden is it's very large, many plants. <laughs> that's a negative point toward. It. Yeah, for sure. So, our life update. So, Patrice, what have you been up to this year? This since last year well i've been living in china and i've been at this apartment which i love i love my apartment i can see hong kong from my balcony and i haven't been there in all, in three years um because <laughs> we can't leave the country <laughs> if uh if i leave the country then it's very difficult to get back in it's a uh, it's two-week quarantine in a hotel plus a one-week quarantine at home. And um, mm -hmm. it's been definitely an, a growing experience um, for me. And I've learned a lot about myself. Like, Well, I knew when I came to China that my goal was not to stay in China all the time. Um, mm -hmm. And that has become more and more solidified over time uh, but basically what happens is like at the beginning of the pandemic we're like okay well how long can this last like china's like everywhere is going to open up eventually and then 2021 came and we were like okay well we can't travel this summer but surely next year we can travel and then 2022 came and then um as the world was opening up china started having its worst covid outbreak and um, and we went into lockdown here in Shenzhen. And, um, and so, yeah, I've been just stuck in China. I don't think I'm going to be here next year. My husband and I are probably going to start looking for jobs in other places starting in the fall. So maybe Patrice is coming to a city near you. <laughs> Yet to be seen. Yeah. How much time? Um, time overall, would you say you've been in like a strict lockdown? Um, so that's a good question because in 2020, people were told not to go outside. And so they didn't go outside. But there was never any um, serious restrictions. Like people, people, we couldn't leave town, but we didn't really want to. There was a lot of uncertainty about the virus. Mm -hmm. Things have changed a lot in the last two years, and China has really, like, systematized their approach 
So whenever there um, is a lockdown, like our community will be shut down. And so really in terms of not being able to leave our community, um, like our housing complex, which isn't that big, um, it was two weeks. Um, but then otherwise there have been a few months at a time where like there's no reason to leave anyway because it's not like you can go anywhere because everything is closed down. When it was really bad this year, it was like the week that everybody, every other country in the world was like, you know what, like we have vaccines, we have antiviral treatments, like we're gonna start just kind of learning to live with COVID. And meanwhile, um, like we felt more restrictions on our lives than ever. And people in Shanghai are getting forcibly removed from their apartments. And yeah, it's pretty, pretty messy here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you haven't had much ability to do most things, I guess, in a while. So have you been up to any like, I don't know projects or are you learning anything or are you studying a new language or what are you doing yeah so i'm finishing up another master's degree i'm getting a master's in education in specializing in globalization of education and i have i'm teaching at an international school in shenzhen that i really really like and that's probably what's keeping me here the most for another year uh, so I'm working on master's degree and this role at the at the school, and then um, I'm also like last year I bought a violin, and I picked up violin again. I used to play as a kid, but I've been yeah, taking lessons and really enjoying having it in my life again. Cool. So, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I still have three cats. I haven't gotten a new cat since our last episode. And What? No new cats? Oh, yeah, only three. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stuff it up. <laughs> Not that I haven't had any opportunities or thoughts about it, but... So how about you? Uh, well, since we last spoke, um, we moved to a new apartment in Madrid. Uh, it was a big step because it was like buying a place. So there was that whole process yeah. to go through and it was pretty complicated at, at times. Also, the other big thing was when we moved in, the previous owners left everything. Oh, no. And so it was many months of clearing out and just like trying to sort through and get rid of stuff. And yeah, um, that was difficult. Um, I imagine, but yeah, so I've been, so I've been pretty busy with, um, trying to like do home projects and all of that. I've been doing a lot of sewing. I started a new, couple of jobs yeah uh simultaneously not that i got like fired from a bunch of jobs <laughs> yeah just hustles yeah <laughs> i joined a choir so yeah it's been lots of lots of things but yeah still one cat one dog 
Yeah. Um, and you're taking voice lessons, too. I am. Yeah. So that's been really fun to get back to as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And now you're in the south of Madrid, whereas before you were in the center of the city. Mm-hmm. A bit more suburban. And yeah, it was it was a good change, you know, with the dog especially and having more green spaces and just a little bit more space as well. Yeah. So yeah, lots of things have been going on, but... I wish I could say it's been an eventful two and a half years. <laughs> or I guess it's just been about two years since we recorded the podcast a year and a half but it has not been that eventful of a time i mean as much as i complain about it i know that the pandemic has been happening and it's the world has just started kind of like opening yeah so i feel like we needed that i don't know it was just sort of mentally taxing you know to like yeah have that and definitely and i think like I think the podcast, I love making the podcast and um, I love everything we talk about. But when it came to traveling, it was getting a little depressing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So now I think I've learned to like find coping mechanisms for not um, being able to do what I want to do, which is go see my family, go back to Europe, go see Machu Picchu and all of the things that I have on my bucket list, like Mm -hmm. just kind of slow down and uh, work on other projects. So (laughs) yeah, that's the thing. Like, I feel like during this time, it's been a lot for a lot of people. And like for myself, like a lot more sort of like turning internally. And like, Mm -hmm. all the things that I've been doing are like, sort of solo things and just like yeah. things that I do by myself in my house and <laughs> yeah yeah totally and I feel like now people are like going a bit more external again yeah like my violin especially when I'm spending time with myself like it's a great thing to have and it's something that I want to keep in my life mm-hmm. it's a good kind of meditation or just something for me to focus on you know yeah But anyway, that's a little bit about, I guess, our lives. Yeah. In case you were wondering where we were, we were here the whole time. We were here. We were just... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I also did, like, tons of cooking, you know, just, like, all very, like, things that I did at home, either by myself or with Emilio, basically. Yeah. It's time to explore the world again. Exactly. It is. It really is. So I am going on vacation and this episode will probably come out after that, but I'm going to go to northwestern China in a few days. I'm going to Xinjiang, which is a famous place in China that you can look up right now if you want to, but I'm not going to tell you any details so that I don't get kicked out of China yet. (laughs) Oh wow, what a teaser. But if you're if that strikes your interest, go look up X I N J I A N G Xinjiang, China. And let's just cross our fingers that it's better than the Hawaii of China. Fingers crossed, Rachel. We're knocking on wood. We're crossing our fingers. We're throwing salt over our left shoulder. Because why not? Holy water, just Yeah, everything. holy water. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 
So I think that's pretty much it for this week, and we will see you again soon in less than two years. Promise. Less than two years. That's really good news. <laughs> okay, bye.